Hi, it's Pete Price. I've got on my podcast today, Bill Elms talking about the Epstein Theatre. It's a part of our heritage. It's open again and there's some great things happening. Why not join me, Bill Elms, and the Epstein Theatre? Liverpool Live! I'm in the Epstein Theatre and I'm thrilled to say that one of the people who's taken it over is Bill Elms, who's with me now. Hello, Bill. Hello, Pete. How are you? First of all, (laughs) tell us what your involvement is with it now. Okay, so I'm the um, Artistic and Communications Director, which basically means that my main involvement is about programming, uh, but also, um, you know, it's also like public response and PR, so communications, marketing, all of that type of thing. So... um, very, very excited to be here. It's been a long time coming. Um, and it's just great to actually be back in the venue today for the Panto audience, uh, for Panto, uh, because Panto audiences really need to be back into this venue because I think historically, this is what people remember about the, what was the Neptune, the Epstein. It's all about Panto. And it's our younger audiences that are coming, in, coming back. And into the I've said it every time I've talked Panto, every artist I've ever spoke to, and we'll say it over and over again, what people don't understand is how important this is. Yes. These are our next audience. These Absolutely. kids, aren't they? Yeah, totally. And, you know, it's, it's great to actually be collaborating with, um, with Chantel and Jane from St. Helens Theatre Royal from Regal Entertainment because they are fantastic Panto producers, you know, and they've got a huge history... Um, Jane herself used to do the pantomimes at the at the Neptune Theatre for many many years, um, so it's got a huge history in this venue. Um, and Chantel has obviously been directing and producing the pantos at St Helens Theatre Royal, so it couldn't be a better collaboration really when you think about it. Mm-hmm. So we've got all of our pantos, young children, future audiences covered. Um, I'll be producing quite a few shows here as well. Um, I'm already and, and also talking with some. Really exciting producers, actually. Some international producers. I've got a very exciting meeting tomorrow um, with a, a Canadian producer who wants to use the venue as a pre-West End opening, um, which I think is really, really exciting. He, he, he came into the venue and fell in love with it. Interesting you say that. <clears throat> People don't understand the workings of theatre. Uh, but as you said, pre-West End. Yeah. There are shows that go out and people come to look at them and tweak them. Exactly. And it is exciting. that. But let's go back. Because yeah. I'm sitting here looking at you. We first met at the Empire and That's you right. worked there. What did you do there? Um, so I started off as an usher in June... Um, what year is it? My God. Well, I was, tw- I was 21, so um, 1987. Right. Yeah, 1987, I started at the Empire. James and the Giant Peach, and I was on the door as an usher. Um, and then I worked in that venue for pretty much 22 years. Wow. I worked for the same company for 22 years, um, but they seconded me into different places throughout that time. So I started as an usher. I moved into the box office. Um, then very, very quickly, I became box office manager, and I was the youngest box office manager in the country, in the country at 18 years of age, with 18 staff underneath me. Um, then I moved more into a marketing role. Um, and then in 2008, I decided to set up my own company, specialised PR company, specialising in the arts. Um, I never, ever looked back from there, to be honest with you. And then moved more into, into producing. So I probably class myself more as a producer and an artistic director now, and then... Obviously, last year, the, the, through the pandemic, I created Liverpool Theatre Festival. Yeah. Now, um, as an usher, did you ever, ever think you would be where you are today? Um, never. I was actually in college at the time studying interior design. 
Um, and then this opportunity came up in the box office and I thought, actually, this could be quite good. This could be a good step for me. Um, so I didn't go back into, into my studying uh, the following year and decided to stay as box office yeah. manager and then work my way up. What is nice about the Epstein and uh, the theatre we're actually sitting in now is that it's a great venue for plays and smaller productions because the intimacy. Exactly. I think this is a, a fantastic size. This is, there's a place for this theatre in this city because there's no, it's got that, in, you know, the in-between from the studio space up to the mid-scale and large-scale. So there's nowhere of this size in the city at all. And as you say, it's so suitable for lots of different types of product, from plays to concerts to comedy to pantomime and to even, you know, big big shows which are planning for the future. I'm glad you said that about the theatres because somebody would say too many theatres in Liverpool. In Liverpool, more than the West End, it's actually each theatre's made their own niche, haven't they? Yeah, I think they have. And I think... For me as well, especially with doing Liverpool Theatre Festival, I'm very um, very much in tune and really want to nurture some new talent as well and, and, and new produ- production companies. So, you know, when you've got the likes of um, shows going into Hope She Theatre, which are, you know, 100-seaters, the Everyman Studio, Playhouse Studio, um, Unity, there's, there's no next step for them. You know, otherwise they're going into the Playhouse size and the Royal Court. So... I think this is a really great next step when you've gone and spotted an amazing production that's done really, really well that we can bring into here as a next step. One you kept bringing back was Epstein. Epstein, the man who made yeah, the Beatles. The man who made the yeah, Beatles. So. And, and it worked, and then you took it down to London. That's right. And it worked. It was perfect for here. Yeah. It was absolutely perfect for it here. Was. And that's when I went, wow, this venue is like a, a perfect theatre for a play. It really is, um, you know, and I'm still working with Andrew Lancel now, actually, on um, a play called Swan Song by Jonathan Harvey, and that's that's going into London. Um, it'd be actually great to, 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 to get that show into here, actually, next year. It's quite small scale, but it's a beautiful piece. Um, and, yeah, Epstein, The Man Who Made the Beatles, was an amazing time. It there's really been, was. without going into the ins and outs and, and prying, there's been a lot of headaches with this theatre, haven't there? And it's been a long time getting to where you are today. Yeah. Tell me a bit about the history of this theatre. Um, OK, so it's um, around about 111 years old now, I think. It started off as a uh, piano recital room for Crane's music store which was down downstairs, below. downstairs, yeah. Um, which is amazing when you think about it, because... You know, purely as a piano recital room, it's got all of this amazing backstage facilities, dressing rooms, green room, huge, huge stage. Um, It then became a theatre, Crane's Music Hall, Crane's Theatre and then Crane's Music Hall, and then became the Neptune. Um, And then I think everybody seems to know it and they remember the Neptune. They've all got huge memories of of us, haven't they? Um, And I think also because it was... um, It was very community-based. You had a lot of amateur dramatics on at this venue. Um, You know, and actually, strangely enough, I only really discovered yesterday because I'm also involved in the unveiling of the Brian Epstein um, statue. Talk about that in a sec. Yeah. Um, But Brian actually did perform on this stage in 1957 in in an Amdram production. Never knew that. Yeah. Now, talking about Epstein, it looks beautiful. Tell us all about it, because we need funding for this, don't we? Well, we found the funding now, what? so it's all, it's all about to happen. So I've been the chair of the Epstein Project Committee. Um, it's been a, a fundraising exercise for the last five years. Um, we now have the funding. 
We've got a um, planning application in for it to go onto Whitechapel by the NEM store. Um, and yes, so it was announced yesterday, because yesterday was 60 years since he went to, to, and discovered the Beatles in the cavern. Our aim is to get it um, unveiled once they sign the contract, which is um, in January, late January. So, um, so yeah, so that's the plan for the statue. The statue is all going ahead. Why were you so passionate about Epstein? I've, just, I've always had a fascinated fascination in him, actually, from quite an early age. Um, I don't know whether it was because, you know, I sort of grew up knowing that I was, that I was gay, and then um, he was sort of a figure in the city, you know, that um, sort of a little bit undiscovered, wasn't he, at that time? It's like, you know, people knew, of, knew he was there but didn't know anything about him, and suddenly over the years we found out a lot about Brian Epstein, and that's, you know... Do you, do you think to things like the play, still at the uh, musical, still at the TV series? Um, and now there's movies being created about him. There's actually one being filmed in, in the city at the moment called The Midas Man. So it's about time Absolutely. that we had a statue. Absolutely. That's incredible. And the first LGBT statue in the city as well. Yeah. Which oh, also shows that yeah. we are an open open society and diverse society. With the... Um, <clears throat> um, the pandemic, did you think theatre would ever get back? Um, it, yeah, you know, it was such a difficult period. Um, I think people thought that it was, going to, it was going to get back a lot quicker than it actually did. I think it's still a very slow process, and I don't think we're back there yet. I think there's a lot of people who still are very uncertain about going back into theatres, and I think those people that are going back are going to very, very safe options. So they're going to the big, you know, the big shows that they know they're going to have a good time. I think the, the more experimental stuff is, is suffering. Yeah. Um, so you've got big plans for this next year? Yeah, next time. absolutely. So we're back in the community, we're here. What amazes me also is people walk past that have never walked in mm. would get the shock of their life. Definitely. I think you should have an open day sometime. Yeah. Just to show people, because people who go... Because you don't know what's on your doorstep. You don't. I think that's part of its charm, though, to be honest. I love the fact that it's this hidden cultural gem. Yeah. You know, everybody, you know, many people have been in and seen productions here, but as you say, if you walk past, you don't know it's here. And what an incredible building. I mean, we're sat here in this auditorium now, you know, and it's just absolutely yeah. beautiful. Were you responsible for the bomb church? Um, I was responsible for bringing productions into yeah. the bombed out church, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. not for the bombs. <laughs> I didn't bomb it, no. What, what made you think about that? Because it's a great venue again, um, top of Bolt Street. Well, again, it was just, um, you know, being in the pandemic and, you know, having worked in the theatre industry for over 30 years, you think, well, this is absolutely alien to me. I, you know, what can I do? I was, you know, twiddling my thumbs and thinking I had to do something. Um, and then just watching the news constantly about what we can do and what we can't do, we, we could then do outdoor theatre, and then I just thought, well, that's the perfect place for outdoor theatre. Mm. So let's create this festival. Um, and we, we had a, an initial 10-day ten, ten festival with a, around about 16 performances over, over the 10-day ten, ten period, and it was a huge, huge success. Mm. I'm talking to Bill Elms. I'm in the Epstein Theatre. Uh, what I love about the Panto here is, first of all, the quality, as you said before, Chantal and Jane Joseph, Reed, Regents, uh, uh, two sensational Pantos. Yeah. But it's not outpriced. No, it's not. It's very, very reasonable price compared to some of the big national, big, big venues. So, you know, you can, you can, you, there's a selection of prices here as well. So, 
you can come in from £15 onwards. Bill, can you believe the costs they're charging now in the West Ends for the shows? It's crazy, isn't quid. it? So Panto is 150 quid a ticket, so that's 600 quid yeah, for four, it's, family of four. It's amazing. It's incredible, yeah. It's, um, you know, you, all, you, know you, you want to see where your money's being spent as well. So, OK, fair enough, you've got big-name artists, you've got big special effects. They sort of set the trend for the rest of the UK to follow, but it still seems a hell of a lot, doesn't it, to pay? So, what, to finish off, what have we got to look forward to from you, Bill Elms, next year? Um, definitely more of Liverpool Theatre Festival. Definitely want that to become an annual event. Um, and then in this venue, um, I've got lots of different projects actually that I'm working on um, with a spring comedy and autumn um, 2022 uh, production of Masquerade, which was the show that started off at the uh, Royal Court Studio. So we're now creating that into a full stage production. Wow. Um, and then I'm touring quite a few shows as well. We've got uh, something about George, the George Harrison show with um, Daniel Taylor. Um, I've got Judy and Liza out there. I've got Swan Song. You've got five or six different shows that I'm touring all over the UK. Keep in touch. Yeah. Bill Elms, thanks for talking to me. Thank you. If you enjoyed that, ladies and gentlemen, please subscribe. We love our podcast and I love being with you. Liverpool Live.